we are back with another episode of Oh Hey There. I'm Jason Aponte, joined always by Leo Luna. Leo, there was football played, actual games, and I don't want to hear that it's just preseason. It's still football, and it's still things that we need to dissect. On your juice level, juice meter, whatever it is, 1 to 10, how juiced are you right now? A 10, for sure. So, I, I feel like more so common fans or or fans of fantasy football or not even that like a lower level fantasy football i guess look at these preseason games and say oh they're just preseason for addicts like you and i let's call it what it is addicts for sure um look at these games and it's like okay this guy i've been hearing about all training camp for yourself this guy i've been seeing in person all day at training camp i want to see how that player plays in a game i want to see you know we heard a lot of discussion about the receivers and not much about Brandon uh, Ayuk after that. It kind of just like fell off after Ayuk. Um, well, hell, like Danny Gray looks pretty good. Um, Ray Ray McLeod had a had a you know a dart from Sudfeld, so it's like okay. So it that's what also helps about these preseason games is it can erase certain narratives. Now you gather that information and contain it. We're not going to go, you know, run a mile with it at this at the end of the day as well. So the preseason is just, you know, I had a beer. I had two beers. I had three beers and I had the barbecue on football's back. Let's go, man. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into what we saw during the preseason, and I did want to kind of touch on the fantasy football thing, less of that. Because I definitely watch for things like that. And that's what I've been watching the All-22 for is, like, who's getting open? Who am I going to be targeting? Things like that. Are we going to call the gambling hotline number? Because I laid down bets on the preseason <laughs> games. <laughs> um, I did, so, too. All right. So, all right. So, then I don't feel so bad. We shouldn't call the hotline on, on each other or anything like that. But let's be our support system. If you start to feel like you're getting a little too far because I took prop bets, I took money line. And the preseason is so unpredictable. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one who was jumping the gun with that and jumping right in. But the 49ers did do cutdowns today, and they've gotten down from supposedly 90, but I can make a case that it's 89 to 85, as there is someone on the roster that is still not on the roster somehow, he who should not be named at this point. And the 49ers have already waived Leon O'Neal Jr. with an in injury settlement. So that would be 80. 89 technically right because it's still 90 even if it's 89 without the right. actual person there right but the people that were waived fullback josh hokett wide receiver Keyshawn johnson d-line tomasi law lee law lily and a little bit of a surprise darkeese denard in my opinion did any of those other ones stick out or are you just surprised with denard and we'll give our thoughts on on the uh nickel cornerback situation in a little bit denard is pretty surprising because it was his job to lose the nickel cornerback. Like it was very clear. You were there in training camp. He was with the, the ones most of the time. Um, so that one's definitely very surprising. And we kind of see why that happened because they have a rookie that turns out to be pretty good. Um, but I, I guess the one that's kind of a little, little more surprising uh, than that, just because of the game that Samuel Womack had is fullback Josh Hokett. So that's technically just Kyle Juszczyk on the roster as a fullback with this Minnesota Viking game that's coming up to where, you know, what Kyle Shanahan is saying, like Trey Lance isn't playing just because the third game is so close. 
Um, he would rather get work in that third game. And he cares more about the, the practices with the Vikings more so than the game. So it's like, okay, well, if you check isn't out there, hope it's not out there. Um, since, since he has been released and waived, who's going to play fullback. Is that going to be Jason Poe? Are we going to see some Jason Poe action in that fullback? Come on. He did post a video. He is an athlete. I'm just kidding. I, I doubt we see that, but I was just surprised. Like, yo, like, no fullback, huh? All right. Well, I think this next game is going to be very much backups the entire way. You're not going to see too many starters, regardless. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bet that you would have seen that those sort of personnel looks out there, or anything like that. I think the joint practices are going to be more where you see that. It is true that they would be ca- carrying one fullback, Kyle Uzcheck. Who knows how much he'll play? But I think the joint practices are going to be a little bit of a. That's the actual game. And and I think the 49ers' real goal is to just get out of there healthy. And we'll touch on that, too, as there is uh, always injury things to talk about with this team somehow. And now it's a new wave of injuries that is taking over this team right now, as it did in 2020. And we'll make that comparison <laughs> a bit. Preseason win, though. Overall takeaways, you said let's choose a winner on a loser. You go first. Give me your first winner from this preseason game. Uh, first winner of this preseason game, I'm just going to steal it for you because that was probably going to be your guy, Samuel Womack. Uh, get out there and have two interceptions. Well, I guess it's low-hanging fruit as well to say Samuel Womack. To get out there and have two interceptions, um, to me, he and the second one, or the first one initially, was the crazy one against Romeo Dobbs to where he basically ripped it out from him on the sideline there. Um, like, Yo, like Dobbs was having a game. Like we, Dobbs is a guy from Nevada, and you know we talked to Hugh Tomasello, who's a Nevada grad, and he was raving about about Romeo Dobbs even before the draft. So it's like this kid can play. He looks like to have to be in the right position at the right time. The game doesn't look to be too big for him, considering he went to a smaller school, a, a non Power Five school in Toledo. So I'm excited because this is a position that usually goes to a veteran player. Um, like like we've seen with Kwan Williams the past few years. How many new contracts did Buster Scrine get before he retired? So it usually goes to a veteran corner. Um, but Samuel Womack has he's showing that, like, yo, I can play. Screw the veteran corner. Let me get that action as a day three rookie. So I love it. This is what the 49ers are known for. Day three rookies are hitting, and man, they have some couple good ones here that uh, on a team that didn't have very many openings, which is probably the highlight of it. I'm gonna say I'm not. I wasn't gonna say Womack actually, but I just wanted to touch on some of the things that I noticed when I was able to watch the All Twenty Two on that interception that you're referencing, the first one. The the Green Bay Packers lined up Romeo Dobbs and oh my god, I want to say Aaron Rodgers is Amari Rodgers. Very close to each, very much close to each other, two by one. And the reason that they're doing that is because they're trying to get a free release. And Womack recognizing, even though he's lined up right in front of Amari Rogers, he recognized what was happening and he got over there on Dobbs. And I thought that was more impressive than the interception itself, which was impressive in its own right. The play recognition, understanding what they were trying to do, shows a kid that really was studying hard and 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 has good instincts. And I thought that was something that I walked away with. On top of that, 
the run fits. I think everybody's worried about can he cover, but can you be good in the run game? And I think that Kwan Williams has been that, and that's something that a lot of people harp on other things, but seem to forget of how, of how good he is in the run game in terms of that. So I think that's the stuff that impressed me the most. And I also think that the the move with Denard, it shows confidence in Womack, but it also shows the fact that even though Dante Johnson's injured, they're fine with having him around, moved around as a utility guy. Slot, outside safety, whatever it is, he'll do whatever. So, again, is it is it all the way towards Womack? It certainly seems like that right now, but I think Dante Johnson has a little bit to do with this as well, too, because of the depth that he offers and the, uh, the experience, and, and he's done it in big moments. So my winner is actually going to be somebody on the offensive line, and it's going to be Spencer Burford. And it's very strange. We always go back and forth with PFF, right? For me, for my eyes, Spencer Burford was great. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But he was dinged by PFF for five pressures. And I guess the only question that I would have with PFF, as I've watched the film over and over, what defines a pressure to them? Is it just being beat outright? Is it being beat a little bit? Like, that's my question with all of this. So that's why, again, if you didn't watch the game, and you read Spencer Burford had five pressures, which led the team, you'd say, oh, my God, he was the worst lineman on the field. Well, when you watch the tape, it's pretty obvious that there were guys much worse. Like, Justin School got beat a ton in this game. He did. And he wasn't dinged for as many pressures. So it's just strange to me how if you wanted to look at it one way, you could walk away with a narrative. But if you look at it from a full scope with, with what you've seen on film, I don't see how you can come away with those five pressures. But for me, Spencer Burford was great in the run game, throwing guys around. He looks the part. Again, in camp, he never wavered any sort of right guard snaps to anybody else, ran with the first team the entire time. This is his job. It is his job. And that, a little bit to your point about Womack, it's a rookie. He's going to be starting. They didn't go with uh, who they thought they could. You know, Daniel Brunskill's injured. But they didn't go and get a veteran or anything like that. They're going to roll with the kid. And I think that right now, Sure, you can say the Packers didn't play all their guys. They didn't. But he can only do what he's supposed to do against the person that's in front of him. Spencer Burford left me very impressed. I guess if I had had to choose a loser in this one, I would go with Tarverius more. Okay. Um, because, there, sure, there's opportunity for him to get on the field and play safety. We've seen that this team loves him um, playing on defense before. You have his 4-3 speed. Um, but giving up that touchdown on to Romeo Dobbs where he just got burnt straight off the line, it, he wasn't even close with him. Now, I don't care that Dobbs runs like a 4-5 because there's footage of him burning Eric Stokes, who Stokes runs a 4-3 like Tarverius Moore. So it's like, you know, there's one in games. There's game speed, football speed compared to let me hop here and, and run this 40 real quick. But with Tarverius Moore, I do think he makes this team. Um, the, but where I question where he could be left off is if he's still struggling defensively, uh, cause you're going to have Jimmy Ward, Talanohu Funga, George Odom is going to make this team as well. The fourth corner, could they decide to list the fourth corner or excuse me, safety to be Dante Johnson? Cause remember he switched to safety at the end of last year. Would they prefer that Dante Johnson to be listed as a safety than a corner? If they decide to keep other guys at corner, like like Charvarius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Ambry Thomas, Samuel Womax, and be counted against that. Diamo Dola Norris and be counted uh, against that. Tariq Castro Fields, I see a guy that they like to keep on as well. 
So there's going to be competition for Dante Johnson to make this team. Now, yeah, you could easily cut Dante Johnson and not necessarily worry about him being picked up off the waiver wire from another team. If it is, it's probably the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. But it's like Tarverius Moore. I see him, the more bad reps he has in these games, I can see him being on the roster bubble. And because of that, that's where I'm going to have to, you know, put him as the downside of what we saw on Friday. Well, here's the thing is I want to agree with you in terms of, again, it's okay. Being, you can, you can yeah, go ahead. Being burnt, but I want to push back a little bit with this. Just the ACL injury. We don't know how far back he is from that. Very and now true. that we've got, now that we've gotten the news, I think of, you know, what has everybody worried with uh, Jimmy Ward at this point, which we'll elaborate on in a bit. If you guys probably already know, I, I just don't see them getting rid of him right now. He has to be on this roster, at least in the beginning. Just It's going to be interesting to me to figure out where Tarverius Moore, where Hufanga fit, because it seems like even though they both have different athletic profiles, they both seem to thrive in the same part of the field. And what I mean by that is if you go back and you look at the 2020 game against the New England Patriots, Tarverius Moore was allowed to roam around free when Jimmy Ward and, and Jaquaski Tart were out in that game, closer to the line, in the slot, moving around, had his best game, I think, as a pro. He was flying all over the field, made a bunch of plays, and then yet we have those Arizona games where he's out there and he's in the deep, he's in the two-safety set, too, too far up high, missing guys and, and not getting back in time. So it's going to be interesting to figure out how they mix and match. My concerns start to be slowed down a little bit just because D'Amico Ryans has found ways to get, get stuff out of guys, get the most out of guys. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't disagree necessarily with Tarverius more, but I do want to give just a little bit of of a, li- a little bit of leeway, just because he's coming back, and maybe that's just not a good part of his game, getting back there and running with guys, even though he's that fast. And that again goes back to our point about there's guys who are athletic can't cover, there's guys who play with instinct can cover that aren't as athletic. So you know we'll figure it out, but I do agree with you that that didn't look good, but I'm not certain if it's all the way just because he hasn't gotten back. So. Uh, my loser in this game is going to be Justin School. I mean, he just had too many poor reps in a row. Again, though, I'm going to give him the same out, though, with Tarverius Moore. A coming off an ACL injury, how much is rust? How much is him just getting himself back up to speed? Look, Justin School is serviceable. And, and I don't want to misconstrue this by saying that he's a starter or this team is worried. I think that the offensive line, because Jake Brendel actually played a ton, and, and now that Daniel Brunskill is injured for a little while, it, it seems like it's his job. Seems like that just figured itself out somehow. But at the same time, missing blocks, missing blocks badly, especially when Mike McGlinchey was out and you, you take over for, for Trey Lance, that's not the way that you want to protect the kid. That's why, again, I mean, more and more you guys want to see football. I do too. But at the same time, I would not be mad at this this regime if they just got everybody on the bus and just said, you know what, you guys are not going to play another down because we want to get you to week one. And I wouldn't be against that, even though, there has to be some sort of balance between reps and and rest because you don't want guys going into week one cold. So I've got Justin School and I've got Spencer Burford. You've got Tarverius Moore and you've got you've got Samuel Womack. I do like the Justin School picking just because I, I think he gave up a pressure or might have been a sack. I I I gotta you know rewatch that play entirely. But it I don't even think he got a hand on on the guy right. off the yeah. edge. I don't even think he it is very scary, especially if we're coming to a territory where uh, Mike McGlinchey is not going to, you know, suit up here come week one, week two or or something like that. I think it is very, very 
um, positive that McGlinchey, you know, is that where he is considering the type of injury. Um, but Hey, if there's any way for Justin school to bounce back or get, you know, some good, good, very solid reps, it's going to be this week against the Minnesota Vikings. It's going to be this week. So this week is going to be very important for school and, and what he can do moving forward because this, this Viking defensive line, um, remember they went ahead and added Darius Smith. That was mm-hmm. with the Packers last season. He's still, despite being cut by the Packers, he's still a really good player off the edge. And they didn't cut him because he wasn't good. Exactly. Exactly. They have, as well as Daniel Hunter. So he's going to be going up, up against those two guys um, that can play some football. So uh, they also have Patrick Jones as some death piece there that I liked. Uh, that was at the senior bowl out of Pittsburgh. So it's going to be a very important week for Justin school here. And the good news is, is that already today we got a positive report from him from many people that he actually looked very good against Samson Ebukam, who's had himself a hell of a camp. Kamiko Ture, who actually had himself a few good days at the end of camp. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. When we say that that it was a loser, it's just that he didn't not, he didn't perform well in this game. But that doesn't mean that either of these guys are cooked in any way. Let's shift gears to America's new favorite segment, Iced or Hot. This is for all my coffee people, man. Put the energy drinks down. Pick up your cup of, co- cup of coffee. Leo's an ice guy. I'm a hot guy, but uh, I'm a hot guy regardless. But all right. Anyway, <laughs> ice or hot. Let's do it. We got three different segments, three different topics here, okay? Injuries have been coming down. Traverius Ward, Manuel Mosley, doesn't look like they're going to play at all in the preseason. Okay, you're fine with that because you say, okay, get him to week one. But then we get news today that Jimmy Ward has a pretty significant or much more serious, I would say, wouldn't say significant, much more serious hamstring injury that puts his week one status in jeopardy. And that was from Kyle Shanahan today. Iced or hot, Leo, the DB injuries are a major concern. I like my coffee ice, but this one's got to be hot. It has to be hot. It, it For me, it's a major concern. Sure, as much as I want to say, you know what, it's not get them to week one. You know, everything's good. Um but no, it's this is hot here. You yeah, you could probably get away from the Bears week one. That's fine. You could probably get away from the home opener against the Seahawks. That's fine. But my concern is, is there any setbacks here? Do they get on the field week one and then have to come out week one? Um, because then week three, you got the Broncos. Week four, you got the Rams. Those are going to be two very crucial games, one of them being in division. So that's basically a game and a half in its own right. It has to be hot just because I don't know what the I don't know what the hell they're going to look like when they're back. Are they completely healthy? Are they rushing it to get back? And then there's a setback, which I hope not. Um, But until these players are on the field, zero setbacks, they look like themselves. Then it has to be hot until then. I'm going to I mean, I guess this is the episode that you and I disagree and everybody's going to start saying, hey, is the Oh Hey There podcast beefing? Do we have problems? I'm going to say iced, but I will share your concern because of the nature of these injuries. Soft tissue is always fickle, right? And the timetables differ. And sometimes you push yourself a little too far, but everything's positive. Trying to be positive. August 15th, right? Being positive. This is what we're going to do. So I think, again, Wrap all three of these guys up in bubble wrap. If Jimmy Ward has to miss week one, that's fine. If he has to miss week two, that's fine. Good thing that they have a soft landing. You know, the Bears, the Bears murderers row of wide receivers of Darnell <laughs> Mooney and Vellis Jones and 
Don, well, Darnell Mooney's really good. Dante Pettis and um, who's the other one? They, I, I think they lost Demir Bird. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a bunch of wide receivers fours. But, oh, By- Byron Pringle, like yes, you can definitely get away with without Jimmy Ward, and it's not that it's nothing, but you can get by with that. Now you get to week three in Denver, and these three these three guys are not there. Then it's press the panic button. I mean, Sutton, Judy, Hamler. That's not anything to take lightly. And we don't know what the Broncos are going to look like in week three, right? Like, who knows? Like, a lot of a lot of these guys, week one is like an extension of the preseason, regardless. There's things mm-hmm. that, that aren't working well. There's things you're working through because guys haven't taken reps. Maybe some guys have been off the entire preseason, things like that. But, yeah, I'm going to say ice because I'm trying to be positive about this. But the only thing is, is that I can understand why 49er fans would be concerned because they've heard this before about, oh, well, it's irritation or insignificant and we'll see. And then you end up with far worse news for me, put them away in bubble wrap and then only open up like on Christmas, which is week one. So, so I'm going to say iced on this one. Let's do another one though. Iced or hot hamstring injuries are the new high ankle sprains. Let me explain for anybody who doesn't remember. Does anybody remember that awful year that I chose to erase from my memory, almost like men in black. This it's called a neuralizer. In 2020, the San Francisco 49ers, if any one of them got injured, it was because of a high ankle sprain. It was literally a running joke. It, it was so many of them. And yet, here we are. We just mentioned three hamstring injuries in the secondary, and Daniel Brunskill's uh, hamstring is injured. I'm sorry. That leg's going to have to come off. <laughs> Iced or hot, hamstring injuries are the new high ankle sprains in 2022. It's hot, man. It's hot again. It's hot again. When you when you have that amount of data, it it's got to be you know what's in, what's out. You you feel me? Like sometimes it something goes away, and then you know something sneaks back up on you that you didn't think you would be wearing, like skinny jeans. <clears throat> but you know things happen, and hopefully this is the the trend could get over. It it could just be washed away, like the fanny paps that people are wearing around their torso nowadays. Um, I'm waiting for that to be washed away here pretty soon. Just like I'm waiting for these hamstring injuries to be washed away. Okay. I think it's hot as well. We're going to agree on this one. But the thing is, is that a lot of people have thrown out a lot of theories in terms of, well, how can you, well, can we blame the trainers? What can you do? I don't know if there is anything that can be done. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie or make things up on what can be done. I just think that, There's times when things get hot outside and, you know, maybe you're dehydrated. I don't know. Uh, But again, just rest these guys up, get them up for week one. Um, I think that that should be fine. Brunskill, it didn't, it, that one was kind of concerning because he was rotating in with the ones, but now it's Jake Brendel's job. So at least, you know what, the, the, I never want to say anything good about a player's injury. So I guess I'll just say the silver lining from Brunskill's hamstring injury is that Brendel will get all of the reps now. And and Brendel's going to be they, – they finally situated that center position for now. And and that's the best way to look at it at this point, is Brendel will continue to get reps. I thought he was he was fine in the first game. So that might be the silver lining of all this, is that there's no more rotating, and now you've got to go with Brendel. Well, let's go full in on the silver lining then. Like, we know what's up with Charvarius War. We know what's up with Emmanuel Mosley. Those guys are legit. But now you're going to have – these other guys, Ambry Thomas, Diamondor, and Lenore, getting the work in these joint practices against some two very good wide receivers in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. 
So three. three. K- KJ Osborne too. I mean, they've they, oh they, they KJ, talented. he's nice. He's nice out of they're, Miami. They're talented, That's my. Man. Let's go Canes. He's nice okay. out of Miami. So it's like they're gonna get work against these guys. So we already know what Ward and 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 Mosley are. They're really good. We need some more work on Ambry Thomas. We need some more work on Dionne Lenore and some of the other corners there. Uh, so, like, yeah, if we're going complete silver lining, let's do it. That's the thing, too. To, to kind of dive into this is sometimes if you make plays in games, your confidence changes, right? Maybe maybe Ambry Thomas knocks out a pass. Maybe Lenore gets another pick. You start to walk around a little bit different. You start to puff your chest out a little bit more. Things are going your way. That is a way to look at this. Sometimes you are one or two plays away from changing the way you've been thinking when things haven't been going well. Because let's face it, Lenore's had a pretty good camp, decent camp. Embry Thomas is not. Embry Thomas has a chance to get some game reps, do some things in these joint practices. And I think you're absolutely right. This could be valuable for them to build some confidence. It's like a shooter who keeps missing. What do you do? Do you stop shooting? No, but if you see a layup go go down into the hoop, you see a free throw go into the hoop, your confidence goes up. So maybe that is the extra silver lining. See that? Look, positivity still on the Oh Hey There podcast. I don't want to hear that you guys are talking about us being negative in any way. Last iced or hot question. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Samuel Womack, is he a starting nickel corner now with this waving of, of a release of Darkies Denard? Hell yeah. Give me okay. give me that coffee hot. Give me I'm that coffee hot. hot. Man, I don't remember the last time I had three hot coffees in a row, but this is going to be it. Um, yeah, he he's he's for sure the starter on the on this nickel corner job. Like something's gotta go completely sour. Now I'm not predicting that. Don't say Leo's predicting this. Um, something's gotta go completely sour for him not to be the starting nickelback. And let's keep in mind, like he was really like he was not in my radar during the draft. Um, but that's partly because I'm not a full-time scout in the NFL. So I'm going to go with that excuse of why he wasn't on my radar, but man, this guy, he can play. And you look at what he, his production in college, he was one of the best nickel corners in the nation. Um, the, the difference is why he wasn't drafted say on the first two days is because he didn't go to an Alabama. He didn't go to a Georgia. He didn't go to an Ohio state. Since he went to a non-Power 5 conference, 49ers were able to get him on a on a day three selection. So this guy can play. He's here. He, the, the spot does not look too bright for him. I'm excited to see what he can do because if he is, you know, the guy once the season starts and everything and he plays at a high level, the 49ers have their starting nickel corner on a rookie contract for the next four years. Yeah, I'm going to say hot as well, too. And I think that this waving, releasing of Denard is two things. It's a big vote of confidence for both him and Dante Johnson. I think they feel fine with either of those guys, but they're going to give Womack the first crack. I mean, he was rotating in with the ones during camp when Denard was healthy and active. But also, and Jordan Elliott pointed this out on the show that we did earlier of Niners Nation. Shout out to him. The 49ers probably did Denard a solid in terms of, I know that it sounds weird to say, hey, you know, we're cutting you. Here's a solid, but it gives him a chance to catch on. And I think Denard's going to be playing in the NFL and I think he deserves that. So I think the 49ers, while it looks like a shock, I think they literally did this because camp spots are about to open. Guys are getting brought in and it gives Denard a shot to actually be in another camp and play football this year. So 
this this culture, these guys, they seem to be guys that don't cash people off, do the wrong thing for them. They're always thinking of that. So I think that, w- that was a great point brought up by Jordan um, and reiterated by myself. So, yeah, it's like Michael Scott and the, or Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. That's like literally what I just did with uh, with Jordan's um, point. So speaking of Minnesota, because we did talk about it a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. battles to watch. Now, look, I was going to go to the joint practices. Because I love watching those joint practices. There's something about that that's more juiced up than any sort of preseason game. We went last year and we covered the Chargers once. Those 11-on-11s, those team periods, they were charged up. Interceptions happen. They're they're talking smack back and forth. Big plays happen. There's something about that that is very charged up that feels like energy, right? And, you know, here comes the new kid on the block. We're going to find out a lot about Trey Lance in these joint practices. Also, the Minnesota Vikings are going to allow taping. So we're going to see 11 on 11. Imagine that. Nice. You know, you, like for the people that were when I was at camp were asking, well, why no video? Literally, no one can record video after team peri- after period four. That's it. When the team period starts, no videos. And it's not even like Shanahan's running anything intricate, any sort of game. It's so vanilla. It's scout team plays, basically. It's just strange that they they seem to be the only ones. And the people there were like, well, blame Bill Belichick. No, 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 no. <laughs> Coach doesn't want anybody seeing anything. He doesn't want that stuff floating out there. But we're going to get to see all this stuff because Minnesota does not do any of that. So I wanted to go because of Traverius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley against Justin Jefferson. Look, guys, this is a 49ers yeah. podcast. I'm sorry. But Justin Jefferson right now is my favorite wide receiver to watch in the league. And I wanted to see how this secondary stacked up against him. Fortunately, it's not going to happen. Kind of took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pass. I'm going to Minnesota this time, man. But there's other battles to watch. Leo, what are some of the battles you're looking at in terms of both sides and how they're going to play out? Yeah, I'm looking at the 49ers offensive line versus Minnesota's front seven here. Um, Because even when you look at their middle linebackers, they got – Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks, who are really good. solid. you know, that's a solid one, two duo. And I already went over the edge rushers and Neil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. But then you even get to the middle. Harrison Phillips is a nice player. And Dalvin Tomlinson is still a very nice player. Um, so they have some players, you know, in their front seven. Now, this is not a Minnesota Vikings team. I expect to be a division winner. But this is a matchup. You want to test what you got versus what somebody else got. And I think it's very important reps here for Justin School, for Colton McKivitz, um, Spencer Burford's even a rookie. So any reps against bases he does not know or hasn't seen before is solid. Jake Brendel, very important for him and and um, Banks as well. So literally across the board, uh, other than that, it's like McGlinchey, you know who he is. Um, and then... Williams, you know who he is. So it's like, but the the other five guys right there that are going to be on this roster, I want to see them against this Minnesota front seven because this is a good test. This is literally where the 49ers weaknesses is what Minnesota's good at. So mm-hmm. I like this matchup in joint practices. And, and when I say weaknesses, I I'm talking about their offensive line. Like if Trent Williams is out and, and uh, McGlinchey's out, the offensive line looks completely different. And then at the corner position, since since Ward and um, Mosley isn't there, where I think this is the most depth they've had at the cornerback position in the Shanahan regime. But if 
you can season these reserve corners, that's perfect against this Minnesota team. It's they don't have the Chicago Bears receiving core. Like they're they have a legit receiving core. So and when you're talking about the confidence, I don't think Kirk Cousins is gonna be out there either. So that's probably why you didn't go. The real reason. No, um, he's gonna be there for the joint for the practices. Yeah, he's not gonna play though, I don't think, in the game. He's gonna even though he tested positive. Uh, it's a five day thing. Um, that was a few okay. days ago, and and it's gonna be two more days. I he'll be fine. Okay, okay. So I was gonna say, if he wasn't there, then you're talking about confidence. Next, thing you know, Kellen, Kellen Mond's Mond? off pocket. Kellen, Kellen Mond's off target to these receivers and cancel the time, practice. Like like the ball is over over Justin Jefferson's head, but then Ambry Thomas pop, pop, pops up and goes, "Not nope, nope, Incomplete. not not on me." Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> those are all good points. I think for me, it's offensive line for sure, because now Brendel's going to have to take all those snaps. Um, the same thing. I want to see a little bit more from Banks, who he technically had a clean sheet, but I saw some things that I I have concerns with in terms of pass pro. And I want to see more Spencer Burford. Like you said, we know what the two end guys are, but I want to figure out this safety spot now. What are they going to do? How are they, How does D'Amico attack this? Is it going to be Hufanga lurking over the middle with, with Tavares more single high? Is it going to be a flip of that? Because Ufanga can play single high in a way that you can still have him not put in a position to be beaten. So I'm trying to figure out what the safety room is going to look like if, God forbid, week one, Jimmy Ward's not there. Because one thing that everybody lauds is the flexibility of Jimmy Ward, right? In the box, slot, up top, wherever it is you need him to do. But I think what you forget is him cleaning up things for other people on the back end now. And now that may not be there. The 49ers don't give up big plays as much when Jimmy Ward's on the field. Now, can you still be that way? Now, linebacker group, we know what they are. They're best in the league. Defensive line group, very good. One more thing that I want to see, who is going to pick up the slack with this running back room? Elijah Mitchell, probably not going to be ready for week one. Oh, wait, he has a hamstring injury. Bing bong, there's another one. And now, is it going to be Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon, TDP? Which one of these guys is going to ascend and cement that wide res- that running back two spot? And that's going to be something that's going to be interesting and see how they run the ball in this way. I even forgot that Elijah Mitchell had a hamstring injury. Yeah. This is insane. That's six? Oh, goodness gracious. I think that's that's five if we're counting at home. My goodness, man. I think my hamstring hurts right now yeah. just sitting, oh, yeah. sitting in this room right now. I've definitely pulled my hamstring before. Um, and that's that stuff lingers with you. Like, you could play with it, but it lingers with you um, for a while. Now, I didn't tear my hamstring, so I guess that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't have the 49ers medical staff at my right. assistance. So right. I, I think these guys will be fine come the season starts. I just don't want to see. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired. No more hamstrings. If I hear one more hamstring injury, I'm going to go back to my old bit on Twitter where I at hamstring injury and tell him to drop the location. <laughs> I was doing that all 2020 with high ankle sprain because there was a count and there was an account called high ankle sprain. And I guarantee you, he logged into Twitter one day and saw that I added him like a four or five times saying, drop the addy, drop the location. Probably was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Who is, who this? is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? Why is he threatening me? I think that's a perfect way to end the show guys. Um, For, for Jason, for Leo guys, make sure that you, Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio podcast. Drop those reviews. Drop those five-star reviews, and we will read them on here. Follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103. Follow Leo on Instagram and Twitter at LeoLuna93. Shout out to everybody for checking in. 
football's back a lot more content coming so make sure you're tapped into niners nation have a good one and leo see you next week right sooner than that sooner than oh that. yeah